What's up, film goers and nope. <laughs> It's not the line. <laughs> Film goers and movie makers. Yeah. Back I at mean, I guess that episode works. 11. I guess that technically works, but what's up, filmmakers and movie goers? That's the line I started using last week, and that's, I think, what's going to stick yeah, for a little while. Yeah, I like while. it. Sounds good. Yeah, this is episode 11 of the Easy Podcast. Thanks for listening. And uh, today we're going to talk about the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. And what did you see? Origin. Origin. YouTube. YouTube's original, original origin. Yeah, but first, uh, let's kind of talk about what we've been doing. Uh, Eric, what have you been working on? You've been doing anything holidays are over for thanksgiving but christmas is right around the corner what you got doing yeah i took what you a, got doing uh, yeah what, what, what you got going on yeah uh, nope so uh, yeah anyway uh i took kind of a family break from youtube stuff a break from your family no a break from <laughs> break from from youtube oh and uh i i try to get out you know two or three videos a week I, th- I thought you were going to say, I try to get out of the house <laughs> two or three times a week. <laughs> that too. Uh, but the family was in town, you know, and I definitely prioritized that time. That's and, good. And, and didn't sit and edit stuff and produce anything. So I did have some stuff that I had previously recorded. And so I sat down and edited. It was an interview with John DiStefano. DiStefano. Okay. And he does a DIY channel called You Do It and um, has a really cool video that blew up about crown molding and where he installs crown molding about three inches lower than the ceiling and then puts this LED strip light in it. And what this app huh. can control. It looks really cool. So he's like ambient lighting in his ceiling, basically. Uh huh. Oh, wow. And then uses the Philips Hue lights, the recessed lights, so he can. It, it's cool. I'll show you the picture. Um, and so I finally edited that, that interview was probably a half hour long, and oh, then, cool. but I cut it down into two segments and I released the first segment, which is kind of like the takeaways from vid summit, um, and got that done, which was cool Yeah, and, uh, posted, um, what else did I do other than watching origin, uh, watched. So the Grinch, right? Watched the Grinch. Yep. Yep. Um, it was good. Liked it. The animation in it. I mean, Illumination does amazing. Yeah, work. I think their art style is really cool. And um, I mean, they didn't deviate from the from the storyline. The storyline's pretty. Yeah, they didn't reinvent the wheel. No, uh, enjoyed it. And, and I mean, there was some you know character interaction, and the dialogue was great. It was entertaining. I I do have to confess that I almost fell asleep in the middle of it. <laughs> well, I mean. You've seen the Jim Carrey version. You've yeah. seen the original version. Yeah it's, yeah. it's hard to not just understand where the story's already going. Yeah. And it was tough. It was shortly after dinner time. I went, I brought my daughter and her friend and, and, uh, and they almost, it's, you know, you're sitting in the dark theater with the recliner seats. It's kind of cold. And it, yeah. yeah, it was, I was, it was about in the middle and I found myself finding like, dude, I do not want to fall asleep. And it wasn't about why well, I want to fall asleep in this movie. Yeah. And cause that never happens. Like I go to a movie, I'm all in. Um, I, cause I'm like eating up it. Part of it is the, the, the filmmaker side of me is like, okay, how did they do this? Right. And, and we know what, what, you know, what, how are they solving these problems and what, what's their approach and this type of thing and the technical aspects. I just, <laughs> I went in and, and I already had that food coma. Yeah. Right. That didn't help. Right. Yeah. Thanksgiving leftovers. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. But it was a great, it was, it was a great spin on a timeless tale. Yeah. 
I want to go back to um, what you just said about like technical side of it, the filmmaker side of it when we're watching movies and I'm constantly picking apart movies as we're watching them. And I think I just realized that um, I don't do that as much with animated movies because like the world is their oyster in animated, a camera can literally do whatever you right. want it to do. Yeah. Um, and it's always perfect every time. Yeah. Um, you know, the animation might need tweaking, but the camera movement itself is always going to be there because it's just ones and zeros. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't, I guess I don't break down movies. So like animated movies so much as I, as I do everything else. So that might make it a little easier for me to have a little sleepy time because it's, yeah, because <laughs> it's CGI, but yeah. some of the camera movements in this, in the Grinch yeah. were amazing. Some of the, the, the way that the came the fly ins and the fly outs and the way that was used and just, you know, we talked a little bit about that single shot. I mean, you're cheating because it's CGI, but right. it, it, it was just, oh, this, it just, it just feels nice. Yeah. It's <laughs> the, the long, the long single take is like a, it's a, it's a nice warm blanket mm-hmm. next to the fire. And mm-hmm. It's snowing outside and yeah. you have a nice coffee in your hand. Yeah. Uh, I love the single take <laughs> animated or not. It's one of my favorite things. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Um, so yeah, I I didn't do much this week. No, um, no. I've not even Red Dead. I didn't play much of it. Wow. What, what were you doing? Busy with just work stuff, which right. is just kind of um, I don't want to say mundane, but just stuff that like takes time, yeah. but isn't super interesting, right? To talk about, yeah. Um, a lot of just post production work. Um, we the the work the the place that we work for, um, has an Alexa skill. And we had to do kind of a promo commercial for it and update it. We had, we'd shot one a few months back for another event, but we had to shoot two new scenes for it and, um, update them. They were Christmas related. So we shot those last week and then, um, I had to edit them all in and color them and make the motion graphics for the end title and all that stuff. But anyway, so yeah, I mean, not, not a whole lot of super interesting stuff to talk about. And well, it might be interesting to some, yeah, I mean, I mean you know, production's always I always find it fascinating because my approach to production is every every situation is a unique problem, right, to solve. Yeah. And what tools do you have at your disposal to solve that problem? And what different creative people approach mm-hmm. that and how they approach it? And, and so when I go into something like that, I'm always eager to learn from the, the crew around me. Yeah, it's... It was kind of a unique project because the whole thing was shot in an F2 on a 24 millimeter, every, oh, okay. every single shot. Um, and, and that brings in a lot of like issues when you start, I mean, obviously we had indie, so we were able to, you know, to stop the, stop down in front of the lens, but, um, or I guess technically in front of the sensor in this case, it was an FS5, but, um, yeah, it was interesting to try and like, cause you still have to light at an F2. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't just put it at an F2 and then use everything around you. Um, because we had to still light the Alexa unit, the echo. And then also the actors coming in had to all be the same level of intensity. Um, so, you know, you got window light and everything at an F2. Everything is so bright. Right. Um, especially when we were shooting in daylight, but yeah, it's difficult to, to light things proportionately at an F2 I and mean, you got to match everything to get it in the same area, you know, of the, of the dynamic range and, and then get it all to work. So, yeah, I mean, I'll put up some stills probably on the Instagram account. Um, 
not doing a whole lot else, not even playing a whole lot of Red Dead. Um, Christmas time is very busy where we work. So I'm, you know, starting to put in late nighters and stuff like that. But, um, okay, I have a question for you. Yeah, let's do it. This is t- totally out of the blue, but do you ever get these moments where you get inspired or prompted to, to do something specific or, or an idea hits you where you're like, oh, I need to write that down. Like, I need to come back and revisit that. Does yeah. that ever happen to you? Yeah, I have a, I think I have pages and pages of my notes app of just like random stuff that I'll, I'll hear a song and I'll think, oh, this, this idea is cool for that song, knowing I'll never be able to use that song just because of copyright. But I can find another song that I can license or have somebody else score that can go along with it to get that same feeling and vibe. And then, you or know, you could do a fan video for that song. That's how you can get away with it. I that. guess that's true. Yeah. Um, I'd like to do an episode on copyright someday. I think it'd be, Absolutely. be great to talk about because um, I am, I am trained in that I've been taught, you know, copyright law and everything. Fair use. And, um, fair use mm-hmm. and creative commons and mm-hmm. everything like that. And um, how stuff isn't really as fair use and creative commons as a lot of people think. Right. Um, just like um, one little tidbit is when you upload a cover of a song to YouTube, it's technically illegal, but um, it's really up to the discretion of the copyright owner of the song, whether or not they'll pull it. Because covers don't actually fall under the Creative Commons or Fair Use law because it's not a parody. Mm-hmm. Um, Weird Al got away with a lot of it because he parodied songs. Parodies right. fall under a completely different yep. law. Um, but covers, for the most part, you know, it would just be like bad PR for, you know, um, Sony Music or Warner Brothers Music or whoever, you know, Columbia, um, not Columbia, that's a studio. Um, who am I thinking of? Columbia Capital. Records. Columbia Records. Yeah. yeah, sorry. Yep. Um, but yeah, it would just be bad like PR for them to just start like bringing the band hammer down on, on covers. Uh, clover, uh, covers. Yeah. Um, and then also you like you're kind of advertising for the original song when you're doing a cover. Yeah. So I think the issue now in where a lot of that, like the ruling on that is going to probably change soon is because YouTube is so prevalent with covers and people are monetizing those. Yeah. The issue comes now where like Sony or whoever is going to have to come by and find those covers and then say, no, nah, you can't like, this is a, this is a licensed song. You can keep the video, but you can no longer monetize it. Or, and, or, or they'll allow the monetization, but the, copyright claimant gets the the proceeds yes because that's a lot of what because they don't want they're like hey if this video blows up and it's making money that's great but that money comes to us right not to you yeah so i think it's it's a pretty common misconception to think that oh i can just cover a song and we can use it wherever we want well here's where that misconception comes from you know which we just got a lesson in music copyright pretty severely because my son just signed Mm -hmm. yeah and and you know he does he he's a producer he makes a lot of beats and and he writes his own original material as well and um but it's interesting because there's two sides to that copyright coin when it comes to music there's the publishing side and then there's a performance side so when people do covers here this is where it gets dicey and probably why a lot of people that are doing covers are getting away with it is the publishing side actually the pe- person that does the cover because they're going to have their own spin on it 
they actually own that creative publishing piece. Right. Even though they don't own the song. So, and I may be saying that wrong, but as far as if it's the publishing side or the perform, I think it's the performance side. They, because it's their version, mm -hmm. they, they own that. They own that version. That, that version. But so they don't that, own the song, right? Correct. So yeah. if that version blew up, like, because you have other artists, other signed artists covering other signed artists' material. Mm, all time, yeah. And so they'll get the performance piece of that because it's blowing up. But the other artist gets a percentage of it because of the publishing piece. Right. So it that's where it gets it gets dicey. But yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's also I mean, there's just a lot of things to that whole process of mm -hmm. you know where I said illegal earlier. I didn't I didn't necessarily mean illegal, but it's just not it's not really in your your freedom to just go and cover a song and then expect to make money off of it or anything like that. Right, like Juice World, he they sampled. He's not even covering the song. He, right. he for his Lucid Dream song, he, they sampled some of uh, one of Sting's. Oh, and I forget what the song was. And Sting is getting all the money right from that song. Yeah, like to the tune of millions of dollars. And 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 Juice World's like, I totally got screwed on that deal. Yeah. Actually, you—that's your own fault. I don't. I don't <laughs> think he got screwed on that deal because that song is what really put him on the map. I mean, yeah, it, that's true. And and so you rode that song to where you're at now, and you, now you have a, a very lucrative career. So count that as money well spent. Yeah, is in my opinion. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. But anyways, let's not let's not make this the copyright episode, which we just yeah. kind of turned into. But let's talk about uh, let's talk about some movies we saw. Um, other than the Grinch, other than the Grinch, um, yep. another one that I saw Christmas related was, uh, the Christmas Chronicles with Kurt Russell on Netflix. You, you, I guess I, I guess I can't say I saw you this. Saw, I was going to say you saw the whole thing. No. <laughs> Turned off about halfway through. Um, the marketing looked really good. Like I was, I think was, the marketing definitely used all of the best shots in the whole movie. Like I almost clicked it. Yeah. I mean, it looks great. Like Kurt Russell's beard is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. His beard game is strong. Kurt Russell's actually sure. pretty good in it. Um, he's a little on the cheese side. I understand. Okay. This is another one of those things where I'm critiquing a movie that's not meant for my age demographic. Yeah. That you saw like how much time of yeah. did you watch? I mean, 50%. I saw half. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then we yeah, shut you it saw, down. You saw enough I of saw it. I saw enough to, to know yeah. where it was going. Um, this movie was directed by Christopher Columbus, who directed Home Alone 1 and 2, and then also Harry Potter 1 and 2, and then better directors came in and did the rest of their Harry Potter movies. Um, Christopher Columbus always comes across to me as like the the American dad of directors where he's hmm. always incredibly safe. And if nobody is able to tell him no, or to have a better idea on set, he, he doesn't make good movies hmm. because he's I a think, better explorer than he is a movie maker. <laughs> I don't know about that. Mr. Columbus was a pretty bad dude. <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm, I was searching really hard for a pun there. <laughs> yeah, you were, I could see your brain. The little hamster wheel was going. Um, but yeah, I mean, Home Alone one is like it's it's a it's a great movie. Yeah, but a lot of that is John Hughes, right? And then Home Alone two is still a really good movie. But I was rewatching it this last week, and I watched a bunch of Christmas movies during December. But um, 
Yeah, not as good as I remember. Like, there's, mm-hmm. I think the first half of it is really kind of like, I don't know, it's a little, it's a little too cookie cutter from just like repeating the first movie. Right. You're like, oh, we had so much success. Let's just do, let's right. just do and Home Alone so one redo. So many callbacks yeah. to the first one. And it's really hard to watch it back to back. Um, just from a filmmaker and storyteller perspective. I mean, right. as like, as nostalgic as it is, I love it. But yeah, there was a lot of like, gosh, man, they really did this. Like, this is a page for page copy of the first one for this yeah. moment. And I think where that movie succeeds is, I mean, it's just copying the first one again, but using the bigger house for all of the gags, mm-hmm. all the 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 thief stuff, and then also the um, the toy store. Right. So, and I think that stuff's great, but yeah, there's, there's so much of it where it's just kind of like, Oh gosh, this is the same movie just again. Um, Which how much of that is a studio saying this was a success. Let's do it again. Yeah. And let's, let's milk as much, you know, box office success out of this idea as we can. Yeah. I should have looked into it to see like how much, cause this is 92 is yeah. when the second one came out. Mm hmm. Yeah, I you know I I don't know. I mean, I'm sure a lot of it was the studio saying, "Hey, we need that cash cow." Like Macaulay Culkin's huge right now. We need to capitalize him. on it. Yeah, I mean, because this movie was made two years. I mean, like, well, not even two years, because it was made and re- it was released two years later, which means it was made at least a year later. I mean, at, at the earliest, a year later. Right. So they jumped right on it. Yeah. Um. What was I talking about before? Oh yeah, Christmas Chronicles. Mm-hmm. So the Christmas Chronicles is. Christopher Columbus again. Um, a lot of C, a lot of C in this. Christopher Columbus, Christmas Chronicles. And it's just, it's it feels like such an out-of-touch movie, and it's cheesy, and it the the child actors, I'm sure, are fine actors when if they had like a director that could direct kids really well. Mm-hmm. But um not everybody is Macaulay Culkin or Daniel Radcliffe or right. you know. Um, all the Harry Potter cast. I think what happened with like Harry Potter and 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 Home Alone is Macaulay Culkin is actually a really great kid actor. Fantastic. Yep. I don't think um, I don't think that movie's the same without him. Like I don't think Absolutely I don't think not. that 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 his acting in that movie is 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 from the director. You know, I mean, I'm sure a lot of it is. But it, he sells it so well in, yeah. that it works so well. And yeah. the same with the Harry Potter movies is I think those kids, they just had really good casting. Yep. Sharp, witty. I mean, yeah. that, it's not the same without him at all. So Christmas yeah. Chronicles has two kid actors that just aren't at the level that you that I wanted them to be at. Yeah. And then the storyline is just, I don't know, it's just, it's hard to get through. I, I didn't really enjoy it at all. There's a lot of moments where it's just like, this doesn't make any sense at all. Well, Chronicles is supposed to be a collection of stories. So, Well, I guess these are supposed to be, they're going to have a new one every year, from what I understand. Well, kind of like we're going to have Star Wars backstories from, from Disney every year. Well, Yeah, but I think this, <laughs> this movie actually made money. Although I don't know how Netflix makes money, but... From what I understand, the the audience reaction of the average moviegoer has actually really enjoyed this movie. Oh, okay. So, I mean, there. I mean, yeah, that's fair because in I mean, we're 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 coming at these movies a lot more critical than the average viewer. Yeah, because we're in the industry. We're doing this is what we love to do. We not pick apart movies, but 
were filmmakers at heart. So I, don't know, I might love pick apart movies. Well, you do, yeah. but <laughs> but I think understanding the what goes into what people don't see and having that behind the line experience is is really kind of where we live yeah, in our headspace. I think I spoke to it last episode too with Wreck It Ralph, where I was talking about you know movies have to have rules. Yeah, like the world that you're in right. has to have rules and. This movie, like the rules didn't make any sense. You know, um, the two kid actors, they, they saw Santa and like immediately believed it was Santa. And then there was, so there was no like, come on, you really Santa, you know, like kind of, there's no, how old no were doubt. the kids? I mean, well, one of them's like 16 and the other one's like 12. Oh yeah. They should definitely be right. questioning that. Yeah. Like you smell like beef and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> you said, you're not Santa. All right, elf. But yeah, I think there's okay there's a scene where they go into a diner um santa's sleigh has crashed he's lost his hat at some point in the crash and he lost his reindeer in the crash they have to go find the reindeer he has like a little homing beacon for the reindeer it tells him where where they are basically santa's got a bunch of like inspector gadget stuff that's like magical and then they go into this diner or this like restaurant and uh to try and see if somebody will give him give him a ride to the reindeer because they know where the reindeer yeah, are. Yeah, they have the tracking device. Oh, thing, yeah, right? yeah, the magic, GPS. Magic, magic reindeer GPS. <laughs> and, um, which, okay, hang on. The reindeer are chipped. Well, that's apparently. what I, well, I was going to say. If you have <laughs> the technology, if you have the technology to track the reindeer, why don't, and, and your magic. Right. Why can't, why isn't there a thing where you just tell the reindeer to come back to you? Exactly. And, and, and do you not have a chip in your hat? Yeah. Because you could, do that too. You yeah. put RFID chip in your hat. So anyways, a lot of that stuff that just like really took me out of it, talking about world rules and world building that was just kind of like, this doesn't make any sense. Like you, you're Santa, you can literally do anything mm-hmm. and you can't find your hat. You don't know where your reindeer are. You can't just tell your reindeer to, to poof right in front of you again. You know, you're like, you're, you're a wizard basically. Mm-hmm. So it was like they, they didn't go quite far enough in the development of him being Santa Claus and the wizard. And they used magic only when it worked for the story that they wanted mm-hmm. to tell, which is always a huge issue with me where like you can't have it. You can't have your cake and eat it too. Anyways, he goes into this restaurant and he, he starts, he knows everybody's name cause he's Santa Claus. Right. And he starts talking to the hostess who like doesn't even question that he's Santa Claus. Cause he like pops off a couple of things from like her childhood or whatever. And so she's immediately bought in. But then he goes around the whole restaurant, like knowing people's names and like what they want for Christmas and all this stuff in which all of their faces and their reactions are, Oh my gosh, he, he knows he really is. But then when he's like, can anybody give us a ride? They're like, man, get out of here. You old drunk or whatever. It was like, it was this weird just really? switch. Yeah. It was like, they, I don't know. I didn't like it. Wow. That seems like a complete, 180 degree. Yeah, it's a really weird story just because like the things you're doing and the reactions you're getting from characters and then two seconds later, the other reaction you're getting doesn't match what you're doing in the moment. I don't know. So just, the flow seemed disjointed. Yeah, and, because okay. the world building wasn't consistent. It, you, you can't you can't go into a restaurant full of 50 people and then know all their names, say all their names to each other and tell them, what they want for Christmas and then have all of those 50 so people react. standing up in the middle of the restaurant? Yeah, he's like walking to, around like, the restaurant. That's weird. 
it was really weird and it didn't feel like a Christmas movie because it felt they're in Chicago, I guess. I don't know if they actually shot in Chicago, probably shot it in Vancouver, but they're supposed to be in Chicago and it didn't, I don't know. It just didn't feel, it didn't feel like it felt so like fish out of water in a bad way. Wow. So it sounds to me from what you've described that the, the storyline the dialogue that supports the storyline, supposedly, in addition to the the framework and the flow of the the scenes in the film, didn't work together. Yeah, no. And that's what pulled you out of it. Because if somebody came into a restaurant I was eating at, knew my first and last name, knew what I wanted for Christmas when I was 10, and then also knew what I wanted for Christmas this year, and then also knew one of the characters like just got out of jail a month prior and knew that I got out of jail a month prior, I would put the baseball bat that I was threatening Santa Claus with, which, by the way, happens oh, wow. down. The bartender threatens Santa Claus with a baseball bat. Santa says his name, what he wanted when he was younger, and then he and, just got and, out of jail. And then also realized, put him on the naughty list. Yeah, well, he was already was. <laughs> but he says, oh, yeah, and that car that you stole isn't going to go well with your parole officer. But the bartender guy has, like, no reaction to this at all. He's still, like... Like, he doesn't go... Oh, snap. Exactly. (laughs) There's no actual reaction that's like realistic in this movie at all. Wow. And so it just totally took me out of it because I feel like that you you do that in that that restaurant, that whole restaurant's going to be cheering for you and helping you out because you literally just proved that Santa is real. Right. So how I'm I'm having a hard time putting together how, how disjointed this is from what you're describing. And, and by the way, this is all within the first like 20 minutes and well, and then the rating that, that the average audience is, is buying into it. Like how, how is that? I don't know. I don't know if it's people have Christmas goggles on maybe because Christmas movies are so nostalgic to a lot of people, but I, and I was saying this to somebody else and I can't remember who it was, or I probably said it better to them than I'm going to say it right now, but I feel like there hasn't been a decent Christmas movie in 20 years like one that Hmm. plays well to nostalgia or even just has fun i mean there is elf that that that's less than 20 years old yeah i'm not not... going to disagree i don't like elf but that doesn't mean that it's yeah it's 15 that doesn't mean it's a bad movie you know i think i just it just doesn't hit me right and i think that's a lot to do with will ferrell i'm not a huge will ferrell fan uh and but I think Elf is is a probably a classic Christmas movie, but that's yeah, fifteen years old. So before that would have been the Santa Claus with Tim Allen, right? And then before that, Home Alone. You know, so and then the eighties Christmas movies. So it's just it's weird that we can't. Well, I did. So you know, I see a lot of films by osmosis, right? <laughs> My daughter's watching something. I'm making a sandwich, and I happen to get pulled in is this where you tell us that you watch love actually <laughs> no this is not where oh, i okay. tell it's a- because that that actually is a good christmas movie but that's not the same kind of christmas movie. no but it was the holiday calendar and i think i mentioned it a few episodes back because that's when she was watching it it was a few weeks back okay but um cat graham ethan peck um and it's a netflix holiday movie and it was pretty good i mean it, IMDb gave it like a five, eight or six out of 10, which, but here's, let me preface why I say it's pretty good. Um, I say it's pretty good because I look at it as it was a Netflix movie. So kind of, a, yeah. now 
obviously now Netflix is a legit studio that's that's that has backing that is now working making better better movies and has better actors and da 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 da. da. Yeah, it wasn't this movie released this, this year? Initial release was November uh, beginning of November. Okay. 92% of Google users like this movie. Um, so here's the here's the thing that it to me it's kind of like an after school movie. Like the after school series that you know, it's not the best actors, it's not the highest budget. Um, decent story. You 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 come home from school, you don't want to dive into your homework cuz you're not that person. You want to unplug and you sit down and you and and it was an enjoyable sure holiday movie um, as far as the technical aspects and, and that type of thing. Um, the acting was decent. Like it was believable. Like it was a good by osmosis movie. (laughs) Sure. Sure. (laughs) So we got different, we should come up with our own rating system. Like this is a by osmosis for sure. If if it's on in the background, that's fine. Yeah. If you see it, turn it off. That's another rating. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're, your point of uh, it's a Netflix movie. Um, I'm. I don't know if I can totally disprove, but I'm going to try when I talk about the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Okay. Um, I think a lot of the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, though, is probably just the Coen Brothers being amazing at yeah. everything they do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let, I guess yeah. Let's move on. Let's let's move yeah. on to that then. Let's. Uh, that's enough of the Christmas Chronicles. It's not good. Right. Um, <laughs> so yeah, skip the Christmas Chronicles and let's talk about uh, what I think is probably top 10 for this year that I've seen, uh, the ballad of Buster Scruggs. Wow. So, um, I say 10 because I, I, I haven't labeled, it. I haven't sat down and thought about it yet, but I know that, you know, that's going to be at the end of the year. Yeah. We'll have to do that. We'll do the end of the year. But top 10. List. I know there's at least three movies that I've seen that are top five. So I don't want to throw it in the top five yet, but, um, this, this movie isn't, is not really a movie. It's six short films that have been written over the last 20 to 25 years by the Coen brothers. Um, a few of them are based off of other works and then they just kind of adapted them. Sort of derivatives. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so it's six and it's about, it's two hours, 13 minutes for the, the whole thing, but it's presented as one movie told through, um, somebody turning pages in a book. Wow. Yeah. So kind of like uh, Princess Bride, Princess Bride, a yeah. little bit. Yeah, there's yeah. no, there's no Fred Savage grandpa element. It's just a, it's just, a, it's a book on the table, and then the guy flips the pages, and then it goes in, and then it cross dissolves into the, into the episode, or I guess short. That's cool. But yeah, it's, it was a really interesting way to go about it. And the first one, l- let me preface this by saying, if you love like '90s. Um, gross, not gross. Nineties gritty. Uh, Coen Brothers. This series, this this movie. I don't even know what to call this thing. This thing is for you. Um, it's it's a downer. <laughs> Almost every story is a downer. Um, and it's gruesome in a lot of ways. Very much like Fargo or Blood Simple, which is their first big one. And, um, but then there's also like a, I mean, it's Coen brother. So there's a little bit of, Oh brother, where art thou thrown in there too? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, basically this, so this stars a, just a mountain slide of, of big actors. There's so many people in this movie, Tim Blake, Nelson, Liam Neeson, um, Brandon or Brendan Gleeson, who is Domo Gleeson's father. Domo Gleeson is uh, general Hux from the new star Wars movies. 
Um, Dommel's also been in Ex Machina and uh, just a bunch of stuff. Um, and then James Franco's in this. Wow. Yeah. So, oh, oh, and Tom Waits. And Tom Waits is his episode or short, whatever you want to call it. Tom Waits, the singer? Yes. Really? Yeah. His episode or short is probably, I think, I think it was probably my favorite one. Wow. Yeah. So there's six of these, and each one tells a totally different story of the Old West, and none of them are connected at all except for just the book that's being turned pages. But this is all done by the same cinematographer, but each episode has a very, very unique look to it, which I loved. I thought it was really great, Um, and it helped separate the stories too. That way they didn't all look the exact same. Like the last story, um, I guess minor spoiler – the last story all takes place in a uh, stagecoach. The whole, the whole thing is just a stagecoach with five characters. Wow! Yeah, and it's really great. And but it, it's got this really cool kind of bluish, dark, like very full moon Hollywood blue moonlight tint to the whole thing. Um, Bruno Del Bonel was the yeah DP here. The thing that I thought was interesting about it though was. They shot it in uh, 185 to one, so basically, I mean, basically full screen. Wow, um, full screen, 16 by nine, um, which isn't—I don't think that's super common for um, yeah, the Cohen brothers. Usually, they're 235. Yeah, I think. that's that. That's. I wonder what the idea was there, because it's the 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 end screen is going to be a 16 by nine, perhaps. Yeah, because they knew it was going on Netflix. But I think what was cool, though, and I noticed it probably the most in the, I think it was the second um, or third short, was that it needed to be that framing, that aspect ratio. Uh They used it. And that's, that's what separates just the normal filmmaker from the masters. And, for sure. And the Coens know how to use a frame. They know how to, you know, set up composition. Mm-hmm. And there's there's certain shots that, like, if that was in 235, you wouldn't be able to get that same mood or feeling or see the both of those characters the exact same way that needed to be told, needed to be for the story to be told. Yeah, a lot of a lot of newer filmmakers. I'm not gonna. I'm. This is gonna be a generality, so Super don't general. don't don't crucify me in this. But like you said, a lot of what separates the masters is proper usage of aspect ratios. Yeah. And some of these other filmmakers don't even realize 235 or anything beyond 270, which two, is seven, you know, or six yeah, by nine, eight, 16 yeah. by nine yeah. or four by three. I mean, you know, because yeah. they're, they're looking at it from a consumer standpoint and they come in yep. and, you know, a lot of they haven't been through proper film school or or even done learned by the masters. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, it's like, hey, there's there's a lot more. I remember sitting through um, it was a talk, and I forget which director it was. Uh, oh, that's going to bother me. But that was the whole the whole talk was on aspect ratios and wow. and showing and showing different clips that he had worked on. And and why these aspect ratios work in some scenes and why they don't in others. Right. And it was, um, oh Shane Hurlbut. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so this it was his whole talk that Shane had done regarding, you know, here's what your mm-hmm. sixteen by nine looks like. Here's and and all the way from your experience on IMAX. 
right, or, which to, is four by three, basically. Right. Yeah. And it's like, so it's the intent on where it's going mm-hmm. is, is a consideration, but more on the creative side, hey, what does this aspect ratio do for the feel of yeah. what this scene's trying to convey? There's a really good example of this, um, a movie that came out, I think it was last year, it may have been two years now, called Ghost Story, and it's all four by three but it's meant to be claustrophobic feeling. So it works. Oh, wow. Yeah, it really works for that um, because you're so closed off from the sides, it almost brings in, I mean, intentionally brings in a wall Yeah. To, to close off the characters. So it's a really great example of using aspect ratios to help convey your story. And um, this movie, Ballad of Buster Scruggs, also was the Coen Brothers' first digital movie first digitally shot movie really yeah they've shot on film for everything up until this point uh yeah side note to that roger deakins shot hail caesar with the coen brothers and that was on film and that was like the movie where roger deakins finally said he's just tired of shooting on film there's just too many issues of getting stock and too many issues of right stuff getting it's getting more expensive and, yeah, yeah i mean reshoots and yeah yeah mm-hmm. so he he just he finally got to the point where he was just he was kind of over it um, and Deacons can say that he's allowed to say that he's, he's probably one of the only cinematographers that can say no to film and me not feel bad about it. But, um, I thought this movie, um, gosh, I keep calling it a movie. I don't really know what else to call it. I guess the collection of short films is, it's so good. And, and here's, I'm just reading it, reading up on it and they use a 27 millimeter lens on the majority of the shots. 27 millimeter. Wow. That's I mean, so that, interesting. You know, and, th- and those are decisions too. I mean, you know, we're, this is a filmmaking podcast yeah. and th- we talk about films and wait, that's what we're doing here. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but those are also decisions that the, the directors, filmmakers making as far as what lenses am I going to use yeah. for the different scenes to, to capture that, that moment. I mean, you have the types of shots, but Lenses is a thing, like oh, picking sure. the right yeah. lens. Well, we talked about yeah. it a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, you know, and sensors are sensors are kind of a film stock, but then now your lenses are a film stock too, with different coatings and no coating and uh, filters and no filters and uh, yeah, focal length and all that. But twenty seven millimeter, that's that's really cool. Um, that's funny to think of because yeah, I mean, Coen Brothers love their wide shots. Yeah, and this movie. Knowing now that it's almost exclusively 27 millimeter, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of like really wide, like they'll be like they're like two feet away from the main character, but you can still see quite a bit around them. Um, it doesn't quite distort it, but it, um, yeah, it brings you into that world, which I think that may have been something they decided to do to kind of offset the lack of 235 because Westerns are usually just these big old mm-hmm. cinemascope. Oh yeah. You know, epic Sergio Leone and, um, sure. These m- massive landscape. Just, yeah. Yeah. So I think probably shooting wider while having big sky. Yeah. yeah. The 185 probably helped still convey that Western feel. It feels like a Western for sure. Um, so the first one is with, uh, Tim, Tim Blake Nelson playing the titular character, um, Buster Scruggs. And then it goes into five more shorts after that. But this one, um, the first one, and then there's another one with, with, uh, Tom Waits, who I think is probably going to win some golden globe or, you know, uh, what, what's the TV one Emmy. Yep. 
I think he'll probably win. Canyon. Yeah, he'll win something for this because he is just awesome in it. He's so good. And the color in his one, his episode is is awesome. And again, going back to that, they're just each each little vignette or you know, no, novella, whatever you want to call them, is so unique to each other. Um there's another one with Liam Neeson that's like super dark. And um yeah, I mean, don't don't go into this this movie expecting like a happy like raising Arizona <laughs> or Oh Brother Where Art Thou like this 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 is dark Cohen Brothers and yeah. I loved it because it feels like I haven't seen Dark Cohen in in a long long time, um, and they have such a unique like perspective and 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 voice in all of their writing and directing that it was cool to see six different projects by them um, that I don't think would have worked if you just took one and made an entire two hour movie. But anyways, I really loved it. Um, all gold Canyon is awesome. And that's the one with Tom Waits. And mm-hmm. then also the other one is, um, meal ticket, the Liam Neeson, Liam Neeson's meal ticket. That wasn't my favorite one though. Um, the gal who got rattled is, I think, yeah, that's, I think that's my favorite one. So I said, I said Tom Waits one was my favorite, but the gal that got rattled is great. Um, that's your new favorite. It's my new favorite. That's another elf reference. It is how another many, elf reference. If you can count how many elf references we have in this episode, uh, tweet at us, and then we'll see if I get you know, a free AMC movie ticket. That's right. Or or Cinemark, if you're closer to a Cinemark. Wherever or you're close Regal. to. Yeah, just let us know Or Harkins. Area. Yep. Yeah. We're happy to hook you up. Yeah. Interesting that Carter Burwell, who conducted the score for this film, that is an American Western was recorded at Abbey road studios in, in London. Well, nothing's, nothing's more American than a European country doing something for, for a Western. Absolutely. I mean, talking about (laughs) spaghetti Westerns, I mean, they were called that for a reason. They were all filmed in Italy by Italian directors. And um, yeah, I mean, this was all filmed in New Mexico from what I understand, but yeah, interesting Abbey road, (laughs) Abbey road studios and, uh, man. Yeah. Check this out. Um, I don't want to, I don't really want to talk much more about like the story or anything because I feel like each one is so unique. I don't want to spoil right anything, but, um, really check it out. I'm inspired to go to, it's, to and sit down brisk. and watch it. I think it's brisk yeah. because, because you kind of like one's done. You're like, uh, you know, maybe you're not feeling one. Just wait, you know, another 10 minutes and the next one's up. Um, there were, there were two more than others that I just, I didn't really, dig as much but they were still great just from like a visual standpoint and even writing i mean the coen brothers writing they're probably one of my favorite writers um working right now them and, and aaron sorkin i think are just solid and everything they do but um yeah check it out it's on netflix um they did a small theatrical release but i don't think it's out anymore um especially by the time you guys are hearing this i doubt it will be but um yeah check it out ballad of buster scruggs um not very christmasy definitely a downer so you're you're warned there and uh well you know sometimes you know there's there is the the downer depressive side of the holidays that some people enjoy yeah sadistically Sadistically. (laughs) (laughs) um but you know it's it's an exciting time to be a filmmaker and i think about because there's some you know, we talked about the short, the high jolly short, which we're still kind of milling over yeah. the direction that we're going to take with that. You know, we haven't even really started writing it. It's more kind of an idea phase right now. But um, there is a, a feature that I have that I'm eager to get down on paper. And 
but the th- exciting time that we're in. I mean, you have more studios with Netflix, with Amazon, with with Google and YouTube, and uh, I mean, there's just this this influx of non-traditional studios that are coming on and they're producing great material. I mean, and this is an example of that. Now, obviously, you're pulling in people that have amazing skills and talents and that have been cultivating those talents and mastering their craft for for many years. And, I mean, hence... I watched. I just started watching Origin on, which is a YouTube originals. Yeah, can, can we step up back for a second, real quick? Sure. I I do like that. There's more options for filmmakers now, but as a viewer, there's too much. You think so? I think there's too much TV right now, and that's a phrase that I mean, where like there there could be one good show that I have to see before I die on every streaming platform like i saw like i saw a preview for some show that i've never even heard of on a channel or not even a channel i don't think it's it's an app or something called epics i've never even heard of this thing but the show looked great but i'm like i don't own that i don't subscribe to that app i'm not gonna pay 10 bucks a month to subscribe to it because i'm already paying for four other streaming platforms right you know i i don't know it as a viewer i would just be overwhelmed and it doesn't surprise me why so many people why so many people just go back and watch the office again or go back (laughs) and watch parks and rec what works what did what i what did i really yeah because it takes it takes a lot of effort and a lot of kind of frankly money to go in and and discover now i think i think if you're not getting your your work on you know I, i would say the three big ones which would be um uh, well, four. I'll throw four in there. Um, Amazon, Hulu, mm-hmm. Netflix, and YouTube. If you're not getting on one of those, you're most likely just not going to have an audience. Right. Um, and I, I think that's a bummer um, from a viewer standpoint. Filmmakers, like, that's awesome. It's great. They're getting their work out there. They're... They're creating content and they're creating films and you know they're they're scratching that itch. But at the same time, like if I if I am releasing that stuff, I want people to see it. Right. And releasing a t a full length TV show that looks great on a app that I've never heard of, I'm never going to check that out. Yeah. There's too much TV. There's too many right. things on too many different areas that I have to go and search for. I mean, if I'm sure somebody has like a, a, a database online of like every production company or every distribution company, I guess I should say that has streaming. That's like only streaming. Um, because then, then you're not even getting into, I'm not even talking about like NBC. Right. You know, like the yeah, main, the, yeah, the, the, the main big guys, right? Fox, ABC, yeah. NBC. And then those guys, CBS, they all have yeah. five other channels. And right. then now they all have three streaming platforms. And we haven't right. even talked about HBO or right. Showtime or which is, you know, or, um, sorry i guess i Cinemax, should say which are kind of the older yeah you know 10 but there's the other thing ago. too is you have those which i only have hbo yeah so i don't have stars which has a a, a show on it that i think looks fantastic called um uh outlanders mm, based mm-hmm. off the book yeah but i'm never going to get to watch that because i don't subscribe to that i can't you know frankly i can't afford to have I ditched cable for a reason. Right. It costs two hundred dollars right. a month. Right. Now I'm going to be spending ten dollars here on this app, ten dollars here on this app, ten dollars here, and then my now you're back feet, to hundred. Now bucks. I'm back to I should just get cable again. Right. Yeah. So it just doesn't make any sense to me. But 
there's too there's too much TV. I think for a viewer, it's 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 just overwhelming in a lot of ways. It is overwhelming, and I, and I think well, well, here's a here's a hack. I'm going to give you a hack oh boy. real quick. Here we go. You heard it here. So stars, like a couple episodes back, we talked about Lesson Zero. I could not find Lesson Zero anywhere except on on stars through Amazon. Now I didn't want to pay ten bucks for a monthly. Oh, yeah, but you can sign up for like a 14 day free trial. So that's what I did. I signed oh. up for a 14 day free trial. And 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 here's another part. So warning, it's very difficult to dig into where to unsubscribe. Oh. So <laughs> make sure there and there's plenty of YouTube yeah, videos make, make to sure show you find you how it the do, first day yeah. that way you know where to go. But that's what I so I signed up, got my 14 day free trial. Watch Lesson Zero and then canceled it immediately after that. And it's still actually I think it's thirty days because then I got to watch you saw the rest stars. Of the time, right? I got to yes, yeah. I could I could see stars up until I did that with uh, Shutter. Yeah, because <laughs> I wanted to watch Halloween and nobody else had it around Halloween time. Yeah. So, so that's a simple hack. But I totally agree. It's so I, I like who wants to pay another ten bucks a month so that I can add stars to my Prime. Yeah. If I'm on Prime and you have a really and this is where I think it's going. I think those four, the top that you mentioned, um, Disney kind of wants to creep in there. But I'm like, well, Disney's still a traditional studio, so I'm going to leave it out. For the non-traditionals, I think we're going to see where they're going to start gobbling up. Like I, I, I see in the future where Amazon buys yeah. stars. Well, I mean, Amazon they, can buy whatever they want. Right they now. buy, they buy yeah. HBO. They buy all of these up and and. And then your prime, your prime account's going to go up. You're going to be paying two hundred bucks a year. Well, I'm already paying one twenty. <laughs> but and 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 I, it's like I'm okay with that. I would be okay with paying two hundred dollars a year if I'm getting all of these other things included. Sure. That I prob that I would probably take advantage of. Yeah, because it's two hundred dollars a year. Yeah. Um, whereas cable is two hundred dollars a month. Right. Um. Yeah. I mean, that's a broken system. It I, is. Yeah, yeah. I think we're gonna get to the point where the traditional studios are trying too late to get in on the streaming thing, and then pulling those like ABC all or CBS All Access mm-hmm. with the Star Trek show. Like, I I did what you did. I paid for the the trial and or not paid for it. I signed up for the trial, watched all the Star Trek episodes, canceled it, right. and I will do it again mm-hmm. whenever the next season comes out. Yep. Binge it and then cancel it because uh-huh. um, I don't need that any other time We're i just need gaming it for the that system season. right there yeah <laughs> so i think what what's going to happen is that these these studios that have been around and they've they've you know lollygagged getting into the streaming service and kind of brushed it off for way too long or now yeah. they're going to be forced to start selling off properties yeah um and, well that's what fox know, is doing fox yeah, right uh, um on uh oh i forgot what the outlet was that i read it on um, but Fox is entertaining offers for their regional sports, the Fox sports. Oh, see, so they weren't originally going to do that, but now they're thinking about dumping they're, them. They're entertaining huh. offers right now from other places. Yeah, they saw how much they made from Disney acquiring them. They're like, let's just... Yeah, but then what are they going to do? I mean... Nothing. Fox will be gone. They'll just be a name somewhere. They'll be 20th Century Fox, a Disney company. Right. Yeah, I mean... Just like Marvel. Yeah. Just like I, Star Wars. Anyways, back to what you were saying, because um, you were talking about YouTube and uh, this show, uh, what's it called? Origin. Origin. 
Um, was this a pay, like you had to pay YouTube, uh, plus or red or whatever it's called? Well, okay. So YouTube just announced earlier this week that all the, or all the original, I'm going to make original, (laughs) the original, the YouTube originals that were on premiere that you had to pay the, is now free. All of them. All of them. Oh, wow. So I was like, okay, I haven't really. Does it have ads in it though? Um, it didn't. Little pop-ups or no? No, there wasn't. Interesting. Not that I recall. Huh. Okay. Um, of course, I do have ad blocker on my oh, on my computer. Oh, there's another hack stuff. for you. Yeah, there's another hack. Run your ad blocker, and you yeah. won't see as many ads. It's true. Um, and then Forbes won't let you read their articles, but uh, it's just Forbes. What are yeah. you looking for? Um, but so yeah, I mean, it was. I was I was intrigued. I was a little. I'll be I'll be a hundred percent transparent here. I was. We were up against it. I hadn't really saw anything yeah. other than the Grinch, and I was like, I how much? What do I have really to talk about? Um, there's always stuff to talk about in yeah. filmmaking, but I thought, hey, okay, I'm in the YouTube space. Let's check out what some and they're pushing Origin right now. There's yeah. Every time I go to YouTube, I see an ad. For you'll it. see ads all over the place for it, and I'll probably see a dozen more now that we've said Origin five times. Right, my phone is recording it. Natalia T- Tina Tena. T-E-N-A. Uh, apologize, Natalia, for pronouncing that wrong. Um, Tom Felton, a.k.a. Draco. Draco Malfoy. Draco Malfoy from Harry Potter. Um, um, Sen Mits- Mitsuji. Um, Nora, uh, Nora Arnett. I'm going to totally butcher that. Uh, can somebody please make a compilation <laughs> of all the times that Eric <laughs> yeah, yeah, has pronunciation. ruined somebody's name? <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um People, just people. Yeah. There's people in this in this movie show, whatever. Yeah. Um, what What's the show about? So the show is a, it's very much like spoiler inter- free. It, okay. Um, Give the log line. The log line. Basically, it's a it's a science fiction drama that was created by Mika Watkins. That is, it's about these people that are on a spaceship. The spaceship is traveling to another planet where they're going to colonize this other planet and giving people a fresh start. Okay. Like you, you, they're paying for you to go and do this thing to help them rebuild or build this colony. And they're oh, going to. So you kind of like volunteered to be on this. It was a it, it was a volunteer. But then they pay you for. Yeah, they cover all your expenses. Gotcha. They don't really get into that detail, but the big selling point is it's a fresh start. Sure. And so it's a clean slate. And the 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 opening episode goes into this where it's Sen's character, um, Shun Kenzaki is this Japanese mafia type guy. And his brother is is a cop. And so there's this juxtaposition of good and bad and his brother is trying to help him get out of that lifestyle and so he brings him this and it and it looks amazing yeah it, it's got this very blade runner-esque scene backdrop and so it's obviously futuristic um it's shot really well the color grading on it's just works it's got kind of like this dark grainy feel to it sure something happens to the ship I mean, if you've seen Inter- Interstellar, 
Yeah. Or, so, or this, this, this show is done by Paul W.S. Anderson. Yes. So you, if you are listening and you're familiar with another movie that Paul W.S. Anderson did that took place in space called Event Horizon, this sounds a lot like Event Horizon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> almost, almost the exact same. Uh, but with yeah, younger, 20 years younger later. characters and 20 years later. Mm-hmm. And, um, Paul W.S. Anderson now probably more famously known for doing all of the, uh, just terrible resident evil movies that have come out over the last 15, 20 years. But, um, mortal Kombat. Oh my gosh. I forgot he did that. <laughs> Jeez. That's a childhood favorite though, but it's not a good movie. Alien versus predator. Yeah. We definitely don't want to talk about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, what did you think of, you know, YouTube as like, is this keeping up with the big boys then, you know, in, in quality and, and, so that, that was that was more, probably more my intention on watching this in, initially is like, okay, let me see what YouTube yeah, is. Is this sci-fi channel 15 years ago quality or is this Netflix now quality? You know, that's, that I would, would be my, say it's Netflix now. That's, that's crazy. The, the quality was great. And, I, and I've, I'm like, okay. And it was, so it was a little slow in the beginning. So we're, we're talking about flow, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and flow is super important to draw you into the story. I think the it was the the initial fifteen or twenty minutes. The flow of on the ship was kind of was was dragging. Um, so YouTube, if you're listening, <laughs> Paul, if you're listening, um, once it got past that though, um, I was I was intrigued. I was pulled into the story, and the way they do the character development is. I'm. I mean, I'm. I've been binge watched two episodes last night, and I'm. I'm now. I want to watch keep more. Going. Well, I, I mean, that's going. always good. So, because I want to know the backstory of the characters, I want. I still don't. There isn't really two episodes in. You you get an idea of kind of what happened to to the ship. Apparently, everybody else is either missing or dead, and so hmm. there's 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 some. I've seen this before. There's some philosophical <laughs> challenges. Of, okay. They come across two people that are still alive, but they're both wounded, shot, and they apparently had ones locked in this cell, um, in this, hmm. and the other one is out, and so they're, and and their stories conflict, and so the, it was the conflict of who to help, and they're trying to assess a situation. You know, they don't know what's going on. They just woke up from Kriber, uh, Kriber, Kriber, <laughs> cryostasis, and 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 so then they're thrown right into this mix and trying to decipher what's happening. Um, All right, I have one question: Does the Japanese mob guy run around with a katana? No. All right, good. No, he That's doesn't. Good. No, it's good. a few. They're they're guns oh, that so, they have. So he's but a lightsaber. It's it's futuristic, so it's <laughs> lightsaber. Yeah. yeah. No, he does not. He does not All run right, around. I'm glad. I was worried that would be a really heavy-handed stereotype. <laughs> no, I was expecting. He that. does have the big, you know, sleeve tattoo and back dragon. And, yeah. I, oh. Um. So, but or a it's, tiger maybe. No. <laughs> Not quite that bad. Okay. All right. Well, that's good. I guess they didn't. Yeah, they didn't go full hard on it. But it, it was. It's done in a way where I'm drawn in. I'm two episodes in, and I'm I want to watch more. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, I think that's that's all you need now. Yeah. With it's so like I mean, I was saying earlier, there's just so much TV, and 
if something is able to catch you and you want to keep investing that time in there, because honestly, because there is so much TV, there's other options that are probably better and easier to, to watch. Um, but yeah, if it, if it gets you awesome, then it's, it's storytelling. It's doing it right. I mean, I don't particularly care for ball W.S. Anderson, but I don't know how much he really has. I mean, TV shows are so different than movies. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much input he's really doing. And I'm sure somebody, a lot of somebody from YouTube is probably telling him, no, you can't do this. And yes, you I'm, can do that. I'm and, sure there's some of that. And, and, you know, he doesn't have a long list of, of great accolades. If you, you know, you look at stuff that yeah. he's worked on, but that being said, if you're a sci-fi nerd and, and you just love sci-fi, you're going to enjoy origin. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. You brought up a uh, brave runner. You brought up Blade Runner earlier. I did. I guess it's going to be an animated TV series in that world that's going to come out next year. Wow. So I'm pretty excited for that. Um, who's doing that? Warner Brothers, but Warner. I, don't, I don't know who's directing it. And uh, like, I don't know what um, art studio and stuff is doing it yet. But yeah, they just announced that last week. So that'll be cool. I love that world. Um, I mean, it's the original world. <laughs> right. Um, the original Blade Runner world. Anytime anybody makes another movie or TV show that looks like Blade Runner, they always say, that looks like Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, you, I guess you could argue Metropolis is kind of the first Blade Runner world, but Blade Runner did it uh, to the way that everybody else recognizes. Yeah, and they, so. and, and they do a great job on origin, re- replicating that, no pun intended. Uh, and and the, something that I did notice... That's a Blade Runner joke. Yes. Um, <laughs> And uh, the something that they did use really well was LED lights, the the tube lights. Oh, okay. I don't know so they're, they're using them in in like as props, basically prop lights. I mean, like there's, set lights. Yeah, there's set there's set lights, and yeah. I mean the the use of it. I really caught myself paying attention yep. to like, oh, that's cool. So they're they're using it as set design, right? But they're also u- utilizing that in the shot. So. Yep. It's cool. Yeah. I think that's a really cool piece of gear now that I, I, I'm finding more and more productions like just straight up putting them in a shot because they, you know, they look kind of futuristic if you, if you dress them up a little bit and they're easy and they're nice to look at. And yeah, I'm sure people in the 60s, I mean, oh gosh, George Lucas would have loved to have had these oh, lights yeah. for Star Wars, you know? 100%. But, um, yeah, I, you know, YouTube and in Netflix and everybody, there's so many streaming options and there's so many things to watch and, you know, Netflix, I feel like doesn't have a whole lot of quality now. They've got a little bit more quantity than quality. So I'm, I'm always interested in to find the next thing. So I'll have to check this out. I'll have to get the first episode of watch and, and see if I want to keep going. So that's origin on YouTube and it's free. Yeah. So check it out guys. Let us know what you think. Um, and if you hate it, make sure an at Eric Thurston. <laughs> That's right. You can tweet at me. You can send me a DM. Yeah. Whatever you're, whatever you're at, at Eric Thurston dot I don't give a flip dot com. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that 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 email is sure to work. Uh-huh. When you, when it bounces back, don't don't worry. It, it got to us. Right. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry. So I think that about does it for this episode. Yeah, guys, but I think that's going to do it for this episode. We will catch you next time. And uh, if you want to get in contact with us, got any questions or suggestions for some movies that maybe we should watch or even some TV shows, hit us up. Uh, we are, uh, I guess, just email us at theeasypodcastshow at gmail.com. Uh, and then hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at theeasypodcast. And then uh, you can hit us up on YouTube 
or watch these, not really watch. They're just a logo for right now. That'll change eventually on YouTube at the easy podcast show. And then I'm on Instagram at Zach habits and Eric. Yeah. I'm on, on Twitter and Instagram at Eric Thurston. Yeah. I'm on Twitter, but I don't really use it. So don't tweet me. I probably won't see it. Make that your new favorite. Twitter, my new favorite. No, Instagram will always be my new favorite. Mm-hmm. So yeah, hit us up and uh, let us know if there's another movie or a TV show or something we should be checking out. Don't forget, do not forget to to tweet for your movie ticket. Oh yeah, you can either. How tweet. many Elf references did we have this episode? Yep, tweet at us. It has to be a tweet, and it has to go to the Easy Podcast. Yeah, at the Easy Podcast. Yep, tweet it. Let us know. We'll get you a free movie ticket. All right, guys, that's it. We'll catch you next time. See ya. Peace.